Lord Jesus, I think of that line in that song that says, with all creation I sing. Lord, your word says that, that everything in all creation is yours. Lord, and everything includes me. Lord, that, that song says, you are my everything. Lord Jesus, it's our desire, it's our hope, and it's our faith that, that you can be our everything. Lord Jesus, that you are not just there when it's convenient, God, but that you and the obedience that you ask of us, it stretches to everything that we are. Lord Jesus, in this time, we each have situations that we carry. God, we are each parents or siblings. God, we're, we're each workers. Lord, we all have responsibilities that we carry, God, and I ask that here in this time that we would just name them before you. In the quietness of our hearts that we would say them to you right now as we pray. Lord Jesus, in sight of you being everything, in sight of you being my everything, Lord, we trust you with this thing. Lord, we trust you with this situation. Jesus, we trust you with the big and the small. Lord, we trust you with every single thing that you want to do in our lives. God, I pray this morning that you would help us to not have restraint. God, to stand with arms wide open, saying, Lord, I want to do whatever you have called me to do. Lord Jesus, that means sometimes that we are patient when we don't want to be. Lord, that means that we're trusting when we don't feel like it. Lord, that means that we are filled with joy even though our circumstances aren't. Lord Jesus, can we press in beyond the veil to where you are and where you invite us in? Lord God, we love you so much and we thank you for this morning's uh, word to pause. So God, we surrender the things that burden us at your feet. We trust them in your hands, if not forever, but for the next 45 minutes. And we say, Lord, we know that those things are big, that they're scary, that they require a lot of things of us. Lord, but right here, right now, we commit this time to you as holy and anointed and set apart to hear your word. And it's in the precious and holy name, above all names, the only reason that we can pray to you, God, directly, and you hear us, the name of Jesus, that we pray these things. Amen. You can have a seat. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house and a great community. Like my car? It's new. <laughs> I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. <laughs> I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. <laughs> Need a smart way to consolidate your debt? At LennyTree.com. <laughs>
That is an oldie but a goodie, right? <laughs> I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. <laughs> um, well, welcome to Anchor Church this morning. If you haven't already been welcomed, and if you can't tell by that commercial alone, today we are talking about running on fumes in your finances. Now, that commercial would probably be even more funny if like, it wasn't so true, <laughs> if it didn't hit home at a certain specific place. And, and did you know that in America, we are very attuned to this tension about finances. Um, did you know that the number one stressor in workplaces in America are finances? Did you know the number one reason that marriage has ended is money? Um, actually, I was reading a study over the words of Jesus, and it said that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, of those three Gospels, one-sixth of them is Jesus talking about money. Uh, Jesus talked about money more than anything else that he talked about. Uh, it actually, he, he gave us 29 parables while he was here on earth. 16 of them were about money. And if that doesn't give you enough indication that this was a really important topic for Christ, because he knew we never really would grow out of it. He knew that it always had the possibility to own us, and he knew that it would be a battle that we constantly have to face. And you'd say, well, Lindsay, I don't know. Maybe I'm running on fumes in my finances. I'm not sure. And I would tell you, one big indicator on if you are running on fumes in your finances is if right now you're thinking, man, I should have skipped this morning. <laughs> if you're thinking, if I would have known that this was the topic, like I could have slept in my warm bed, I could have read the newspaper, I could have gotten errands done, I could have done all sorts of other things. That's probably a good indicator. If, if this topic, if the topic of money forms like a massive burden in your gut, a knot in your stomach, that's not only a sign that you might be running on fumes in your finances, it's also a sign that this is an area Jesus wants you to have freedom. This is also an area that Jesus wants you to have freedom and restoration. Now, if an ulcer isn't good enough uh, of, a <laughs> of a situation for you to know that this is a topic for you, um, I have a couple others. Um, the first one is that you live on credit. Uh, you live on credit. Uh, this is this is an indicator in our culture, absolutely. Uh, in our culture, did you know that the average American, for every dollar they spend, they spend a dollar and five cents? So that means I give you a dollar and somehow you're spending a dollar and five cents. And that's for every single dollar. Um, the other th indicator in our culture is that uh, every second, America builds personal debt at $1,000 per second. That means I've been talking for about three minutes. So since the beginning of my sermon, $180,000 worth of debt has been accrued of personal debt in America. And you're like, well, yeah, it only takes about three minutes to sign a mortgage. <laughs> that makes complete sense, all right? Um, the next one is this. You have no savings. And this is kind of laughable, right? Um, and you might say, Lindsay, my finances are very spiritual. 
you know, every time I get paid, I pray to the Lord above that there's no emergencies, you know, (laughs) every time I get paid, I pray, Lord, please, can I not get sick, can my car not get broken, can my dog be okay, like, please, can nothing happen, because if something happens, I am screwed, (laughs) you probably can't write a check larger than a hundred bucks at any given time, and you're like, man, I am living on a prayer. <laughs> I am Bon Jovi-ing through, <laughs> through, <laughs> through finances. And then the last one is this. You don't know your financial status. Like if I asked you, how much do you owe? How much do you, you know, own? How much do you earn? How much do you spend? You're like, get off my back, Lindsay. <laughs> I don't know, and I don't want to know. Uh, because honestly, that's, that's pretty terrifying. And I don't want to know what I am spending and what I'm not spending and how much maybe I'm spending too much. It's terrifying. Um, and I think about it in terms of this. If you had appendicitis <laughs> and I walked up to you and I poked you in the arm, you'd be like, okay, that was weird, but I guess Lindsay's weird, so whatever. Um, that's fine. But if you had appendicitis and I came up and I poked you right in the gut, that's going to be different, isn't it? We probably aren't going to be friends after that, right? You're going to be like, yeah, she's weird, but she hurt me. It's going to elicit an emotional, a visceral, a physical response from you. Oftentimes when people come into my office, they love to talk about the things that don't hurt. They want to talk about the things that maybe prayer life or church attendance, but not go to the things that do elicit an emotional, a visceral, a spiritual response. Reality is, just like appendicitis, if we don't deal with it, it's going to get to a day when I poke you in the arm and it's going to hurt like crazy. And so if you're saying this morning that maybe, that is me, maybe I am running on fumes in my finances, I would say, yes, it's going to hurt to have this conversation. Yes, the room is probably going to feel a little awkward today. But know this, is that our God is not a God of ending stories without restoration, of ending stories without freedom, of ending stories without a bigger picture at hand. See, that's our God. And so today we're going to look at a couple of words from King Solomon, who was the wisest and richest man of all. And we're going to look at those words in Proverbs, and we're going to see what is God's plan for my money. And before we start this here, I'm going to tell you that like, I love you guys, but I don't have all the answers, and I'm going to admit that outright right now, um, 100%. So, so look at this verse with me. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 29, starting in verse 18. It, said, it says, where there is no revelation, or in some versions it says, where there is no vision or goal, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. See, anything worth doing in life well is worth having a goal for. Now, that's what this entire series is about, isn't it? It's about having a bigger goal in big areas of your life that you are striving towards. It's about having a goal for your marriage and your parenting and your finances and all of the things that compose your life. I love this quote from Albert Einstein. He says, if you want to live a happy life, tie it to a goal not to people or things. See, the main reason that we run on fumes in any aspect of our lives is because we tie our lives 
to someone's happiness or something in the distance. Now imagine, like, walk down that road with me on what it would look like if in parenting your goal was for your kid to be happy 100% of the time. <laughs> How successful would you be? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're like, I don't know, depending on the day, I could probably make it 15 seconds, okay? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure what that's going to look like. The same is true for your finances. If I tie my money's goal to just making me happy, oh, mercy, <laughs> that's going to fluctuate daily. Let me tell you what, me personally, I probably fluctuate more than a toddler, okay? Um, I would say that some days, that means that it would make me really happy to put stock in Amy's donuts, okay? <laughs> All right. um, that means that some days, I would need a new car. Some days, I would need a new mansion for my fat cat, you know? <laughs> some days, I would even give out to others because I like how it feels to be generous. And, and it's easy that when we tie ourselves to our own happiness, all of a sudden, money's unmanageable because we're unmanageable. And if you tie your life to anything but a goal and a purpose, your money is never going to be manageable. It's never going to be consistent. And it probably won't consistently glorify Jesus. I think of those words in that song, you are my everything, except for this. Proverbs 29, it says, look at the last half of that verse, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Happy is the person who lives under God's control. And so if in this area you are experiencing anxiety and worry, chances are you are not heeding wisdom's instruction. Ouch. So to follow God's plan for your money, we have to lock in on a few things. And the first one is this. You don't have a money problem. <laughs> you have a management problem. Uh, you don't have a money problem. You have a management problem. This is a statement that no matter how rich or how poor you are, I've met people that are super rich and up to their eyeballs in debt. I have met people that are super poor yet still give to others. So I want you to turn to your neighbor just to kind of like we're going to all say it together, and you, you can even do it in like AA style if you want. Like, hi, my name is Lindsay, and I don't have a money problem. I have a management problem. So, so turn to your neighbor and just say it. Just, just own it. I don't have a money problem. I have a management problem. <laughs> and some of you married folks are like, finally, she said it, you know. <laughs> finally, they got to admit it. <laughs> so, um, and this is true, is that we don't have a money problem. We have a management problem. Uh, and I'm going to do something, because the topic of money is incredibly vulnerable, uh, I'm going to do something that you're not supposed to do, and I'm going to talk to you about my money, uh, which is like, you guys are like, okay, get out our coin purses. Um, so, a couple of years ago, we started this church, and I... Remember, we, we started it, we had some debt to take care of, there were things on our plate, and I went volunteer full-time. And I worked elsewhere at a behavioral health center full-time. So what that looked like for Lindsay <laughs> is about 80 hours a week I was working, half of it I was getting paid for, and pretty much all my free time was either sleeping or pooping, okay? <laughs> um, but I loved it, and I would do it all over again. 
Because I love this church. I believe in this church. I, I believe in our vision. And I would give my life away for this kind of vision. And so that's what happened. And I was working at this behavioral health center, and I was making some good money. I had money to burn, and burn I did, <laughs> okay? Um, I, I was making a lot, really good money. I'm a single lady, so it's not like I have to worry that my kid's going to need braces someday, you know? Uh, <laughs> I was spending like it was going out of style. And somehow I was making all this money, and I was living paycheck to paycheck. I was always stressed. I was always checking my bank account. I was always freaking out about money. So fast forward a year later, Anchor Church comes to me and says, it's time that you go full-time at our church. And I was like, praise Jesus, hallelujah, I can sleep again. Like, this is wonderful. And this was the biggest blessing that I've ever received in my life, that I could pour into what I am most passionate about and actually get paid to do it. Well, that's, that's good. And so I made the leap. And as we were doing that, I remember that when I made that transition, I had to take a little bit of a pay cut in my take-home pay. But I really didn't care, you know, cowabunga, jump out of the dang plane already, you know, let's do it. And right around that time when I took the pay cut, I was in Financial Peace University with Dwayne, our tech director. And he gave us some instructions, and we listened to Dave Ramsey, and he told us all these things about how to manage our finances in a well, beautiful way that honors Jesus. And I got to tell you something. I am richer now that I make less money with more control than I was when I made more money with less control. Let me say that again. I am richer now that I make less money with more control than I was when I made more money with no control. And I would love to sit and say, like, richer spiritually, which is true, but I don't know, like, brass tacks, I have more money in my bank now that I am making less with more control. See, it's never been a money issue. Satan would love for you to believe that it is, though. The enemy would love for you to believe that, man, if you could just make more money, and if you could just give more of your life to your job, man, everything would work out. If I just had more money, if I just got more treasure, then my life would be solved. But listen, that's what the world, that's what the enemy wants you to believe. Don't believe it. Our world is structured as such. Uh, in a financial magazine recently, uh, Sky Jathani, he said this, Although lack of self-control has always plagued humanity, for the first time in history, an economic system has been created that relies on it. As our current recession and attempts at stimulus reveal, responsible behaviors like saving money and spending within our means are actively being discouraged by both government and businesses in order to reignite the soft economy. Or to put it in like normal people words, <laughs> the world thrives off of you having no control. The world thrives off of minimum payments and impulse buying. The world thrives off of people in debt up to their eyeballs. And whether we like it or not, this world, it has a script written for your money. It says, go to school and get more debt. 
You know, buy a car and get more debt. Buy a newer car, get more debt. <laughs> buy a, a house, get more debt. Make improvements, get more debt. Move out of that house, get more debt. Have the latest and greatest things, get more debt. And whether we like it or not, we have a script that is written for the money that you have been given. And it is so easy and so natural that we can fall into it when we're not paying attention. We can fall into it so easily. And so what I, I want to focus on today is flipping the script. You gotta have a, a financial flip in the script. You have to have a plot twist for your money. You have to have one that does not just stand, lay down and let the world write your story, but take control over it. And so today we're going to look at how, how to financially flip the script. How do I put a plot twist in what the world and what the enemy would like me to do with it? And the first one is this. You have to trust God completely. Now, maybe you say, Lindsay, I do trust God completely. When I get to Target and I swipe my card, I pray fervently that it does not bounce. <laughs> I am incredibly trusting in the Lord, right? And so put it this way, what is the opposite of trust? It's worry. And so the degree of which you worry about your money is the degree of which we're not trusting God with it. Proverbs 3 verse 5, it says, trust the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Solomon says, we need to take God at his word. We need to trust him with all of our heart. And yet, <laughs> that end of that verse, do not depend on your own understanding, man, I fall into that more often than not. Because I see the numbers, I see the shiny thing, and I rely on my own understanding. And you know what happens is that when we don't enjoy the plan that God has for our money. We rely on our own self. We rely on our own understanding. In fact, what does it say about us that there are people that are more willing to commit their lives to following God than there is to commit their money? What does that say about our priorities? Lord Jesus, I trust you with my entire life. Just please don't look at Great Western Bank. <laughs> See, uh, I think that our thinking has to shift. It has to shift from our money and our finances to God's finances, to God's money, to God's treasures. There's a section in Psalm that I really enjoy. Um, the Israelites were getting into this place where they said that God must be really hungry because they have to keep sacrificing all these animals to him. <laughs> okay? That's okay to laugh at, okay? Uh, he must be really hungry, so then we're going to provide, you know, the bull for the burgers, right? And it says this in Psalm 50. This is his response. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of your goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insect in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine, 
and all that is in this. I love that. I, you got to appreciate the Lord's sarcasm there, you know? Like, he, he comes down to the Israelites, and he's like, you think I'm hungry for a burger? I own all the burger joints. Like, I wouldn't ask you. You know, if I have a hankering for nuggets, I own all the Chick-fil-A's already. What do you get? What's your next move, son? Like, that just doesn't make any sense. He says, I own everything. And we get into a place where we say, this is my money, these are my treasures, because let's be real, I earn it, I spend it, I save it, and I'm the one in trouble if I don't do those things correctly. But we have to shift from our stuff to God's stuff. And I'm going to illustrate it this morning uh, with some wonderful M&Ms, which uh, melt in your mouth, not in your hand, right? Um, who's our, who are my chocolate lovers here? All right. Milk, dark, white. Yeah. I'll tell you, I will tell you the best chocolate for me is my chocolate. Let's be real. Okay. Anyway, so, um, so somewhere along our lives, we have this concept that life should be fair. Fair enough. Um, I don't know where we get this from. It's not in the Bible. Um, and let me know if that has ever worked out for you. Okay. Uh, we get this concept that life, it should be fair. And so, we wake up one morning and we have our money, okay? Now go here with me. If, if, you, if I invited somebody up here on stage and I gave them this M&M bag, at first they'd be like, well, this is awesome. This is a pretty good size M&M bag. It's the sharing size, <laughs> which means that I, can, I actually have more than I just need. I could share with other people. Everybody should be gifted with this size bag of M&Ms. This is perfect. This is fair. Until I call somebody else up and I give them this bag. <laughs> now all of a sudden you're like, Lindsay, what gives? Okay. Uh, I thought you liked me. <laughs> okay. I, I thought that you loved me. And this is, this is the party size. You know, I want to party. I don't want to share. I want to party. And we say, what in the world is happening? And in our lives, we have a tendency to focus on the size of our bags, right? In our lives, we've been given a certain opportunity, a certain career, a certain calling in our lives. And we're, that's all fine and dandy, and we're grateful until we look at our neighbor and we're like, geez, I don't want to share. I want to party. <laughs> and we have this tendency to focus on the wrong bag all the time. Listen, this world, it doesn't distribute equally. Some of your neighbors, they will have, you know, two of these bags. And then we forget that somebody has this bag. And we get entirely focused on the wrong bag here. We are focused and we are striving at getting the bigger bag of M&M's when in all reality, the value of your life is not measured in what size bag you were given, but how you empty it. And not what size bag you were given, uh, but how you empty it. And just in case you are thinking, yeah, this is me. <laughs> okay? We are entirely capable of focusing on the wrong thing and never seeing the person that has less. See, your value of your life, you're not going to get to heaven and Jesus says, how big a bag did I give you? 
He's going to say, who did you give it out to? What did you do with it? How were you a good steward of those M&Ms? And I'm fully prepared after this service, you guys are going to be wanting me to be good stewards of these M&Ms. But we have to do that. In order to do it, we have to trust God completely. We have to trust that God knew what he was doing when he gave my neighbor this bag and me this bag. And this guy this bag and then this guy. And we have to trust that he knew what he was doing and we have to trust that God has always called us not to look upward, but to look at the person with less. And let me tell you, there's always somebody with less. But in order to do that, we have to move on to a next, more difficult thing, I would say. And that is you have to transform your spending. Ugh, okay. You gotta transform your spending. And I love this quote. I wish it had an author on it, but I just found it and I thought it was so good. It says, the average American drives his bank-financed car over a bond-financed highway on credit card gas to open a charge account at a department store so that he can fill his financed home with installment plan furniture. (laughs) Listen, we can own much of anything that we want in this world. Uh, To prove that, I actually went on, and how many of you guys have heard of Tesla cars? Okay, yeah. They're cool looking. I have no idea how you open the door, I'm going to be honest. Um, but they're cool looking, and you see them, and sometimes people will take pictures of them in parking lots, like it's kind of this elitist thing. So I went online this week, and on my pastor's salary, I tried to buy a Tesla car. <laughs> Did you know I was pre-approved? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen, you can have anything that you want in this world. You just have to, you know, commit. I love this other quote. It says, the only reason a great many American families don't own an elephant is that they have never been offered an elephant for a dollar down and easy weekly payments, right? (laughs) If I had been offered that, I might have considered, you know? Uh, We live in a microwave culture, which means I'm going to pay now, or sorry, no, I'm not going to pay now. I'm going to get it now. And I'm going to pay later. But at least I have it now. And we have to shift that because, let me tell you, I love you guys, but looking out in this crowd today, some of you guys need plastic surgery. (laughs) And I'm not talking about your face. I'm talking about them credit cards that are lying in your wallets. (laughs) we got to get rid of them because whether you like to admit it or not, they own you. Did you know that? They own you. Uh, Listen, Proverbs 22. Wisest man in earth, not Lindsay, okay? The borrower is servant to the lender. You want to be a servant? Mm Mm-mm. Like, Lord have mercy, I'm a strong, independent woman that don't need no man, you know? I can't deal with that. And so what do we got to do? We have to have a plan. Proverbs 21, verse 5. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Listen, you may be able to own a Tesla, okay? But the most expensive thing that you will ever buy is impulse. The most expensive thing that you will ever buy is being a slave, being a servant to your impulse. I mean, think about this. We got the Super Bowl coming up in a few weeks. Why do you think companies spend millions of dollars for 30 seconds of your time? 
because they know, as well as I know, that I don't have a plan for my money. And if it's shiny enough, I will jump. See, we have to flip the script. And, and we have to decide that, that God is going to run us, that the only servant that I am to anybody is to the Lord's. So I want to do an exercise with you. Go ahead and take out your money. And this isn't a joke. Like, uh, take out your credit card or, or your purse or your Apple Pay. I don't know what it is, how cool you guys are. But, but take out your wallets, and I just want you to hold them in your hand. And if you've ever needed a time to give, just pass them to the left and... <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> okay, so, so look at your wallet for me, okay? Just look at it in your hands. Imagine it if you don't have it. But, and I want you to look at it. Now, imagine if I came up to you after service today and I said, listen, I'm going to take control of this. I'm going to tell you where you can spend it. Don't worry, I have a plan for it. What's your response going to be? <laughs> your response might be, uh, I'm sorry, you didn't work 40 hours at this crappy job to earn this money. <laughs> like, you ain't touching a dollar. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. Your response might be, okay, I guess. Your, my, your response might be, heck no. You got your own money to be worried about. And I would say that we do this on a daily basis, if not hourly. We hand our wallets over to this world, and we say, do whatever you think is fit. You know that car that, that you say that I should have? Here, have my wallet. You tell me how to spend it. Over and over again, let me tell you what. If you are not in control of your money, someone will be. Something will be. And we are people that are focused on holiness and being more like Christ. And if you can't trust your pastor with your wallet, who can you trust? You know what I mean? <laughs> and we do this every single day. And I'd love to tell you, like, man, here's all the ins and outs of how to transform your spending, but you're probably going to want to eat lunch at some point today. Um, so I'm just going to do a shameless plug. I have a slide for you. Um, the coming February 12th, we are going to offer Financial Peace University at our church. And let me be honest with you, I went through it. It's a few weeks long. It's painful. It ain't fun. Like, the people make it fun, but it, it ain't fun. I had to find out how much I actually spend on coffee. Who wants to know that? Like, get out of my business, Dave Ramsey, okay? <laughs> um, you have to find out those kinds of things. You have to get rid of credit cards. But let me tell you what, this is one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. This is one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. So much so that, I'll tell you, I have some savings. And if you take this class, you have perfect attendance, and you get to the end of it, and you're like, Lindsay, I regret it. I learned nothing. I will personally reimburse you. Personally, not like church money, Lindsay money, okay? So if you take this class and you go through all of it and you said that was a waste of time, I will personally say, here's my money. Fair enough? So sign up for the class. I, I promise you it is not going to be a waste of time at all. The longer that you do this thing, this thing called money without instruction, the longer we hand our wallet over. All right, I would love to see, like, 
15, 20 people just sign up for this class today. At the end of church, we're going to have Dwayne in the back at the table, and if you want to ask him questions or learn how to get signed up, he will help you with that. But we're going to move on, because I don't got all day. (laughs) And the last one is this, tithe. Now, before we get into this, I have a story. Uh, There were two guys that were in a plane crash, and they were stranded on a deserted island. And one guy is freaking out. He's like, oh my gosh, we're going to die, we're going to die, how are we going to do this? And the other guy is like really calm. And he says, how are you calm? And the guy says, oh, you don't understand, I'm rich. The guy says, I don't care if you're rich. Like, that doesn't mean anything. What, are you going to Amazon Prime a plane here? Like, I don't understand what you're going to do. We don't have service. And he's like, no, 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 I don't think you get it. I make $30,000 a week. And he's like, I don't care if you make $300 million a week. Like, we are, we are on a deserted island, and I am stuck. And he says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I make $30,000 a week, and I tithe. My pastor will find me. <laughs> See? And the hard truth is, is that that's how we view church and money, Right? And I'm going to make this promise to you. As a a child from a family who was told that they weren't giving enough and that ruined my family's history with the church, I will never be that pastor. Anchor Church is not in it for your money. Point blank. I don't care how much money you, you work and you get at the end of the day. What I do care about is your obedience to God. I don't care that your tithe is bigger than her tithe or whatever. I I don't look at that stuff even. What I do care about is your obedience to Jesus and saying, I will trust you first, me second, world last. And you'd say, well, Lindsay, I don't make enough money to give. Someday when I make more money, I will give. When I was a teenager, I had a youth pastor that sat me down and he said, Lindsay, if you don't learn to give when you have the least, you will never give when you have the most. And now, uh, it's different. When I learned to give as a teenager, now it's a no-brainer. And we get to this place in our lives where we say, oh my goodness, my finances are out of control. I'll stop giving to God. And then we wonder why he doesn't bless our money. Listen to this verse in Malachi. It says, Will you rob God, or will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Catch this. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. This is the only place throughout the entire Bible that God tells you to test him. All throughout scripture, do not, trust, or do not test the Lord your God. Do not test the Lord your God. Do not test him. But then he gets to money and you know what he says? He says, go what? Try me. I dare you to see what will happen when you trust me. I dare you to go out on that limb. I dare you to test me. 
And it's because God honors obedience. When we give of our first fruits, the Lord knows that we have said, you are in control, not me. And I, I'm in the business of talking to people when they're struggling with this, and I will tell you, you can survive off of less than trusted with God than you will off of more that is trusted just with you. So I don't know where today hits you. You know, maybe you say, I need to trust God completely, and I need to stop looking at the bigger bag. I need to focus on the sharing size, not the party size. I need to focus on giving more to those that are less than me or have less money than me. Maybe you'd say today, no, I need to transform my spending. It's embarrassing, but I have no control. And I will tell you that absolutely do it. There is no shame in taking financial peace. I'm going to take it again. Um, and I know multiple times people have taken it and said, I just learned more and more about how to be a better steward. Maybe you say today, for the first month or for the first week in all of my life, or since life got hard, I'm going to tithe. Now, it's kind of embarrassing to admit that you haven't tithed before, especially in a church setting. But I want you to think about the prodigal son. When he comes running back, what does the father do? He gets so excited. See, the Lord will always honor and will always welcome you in the midst of when you say, I have been disobedient and I want to be close to you again. So we're going to pray. If you want to bow your heads or find a posture of prayer this morning. And I want to ask you to, to use this last song to think through what, what needs to change. Where do I need to grow? What step of faith do I need to take? Honestly, guys, it would be a lot easier if Anchor Church was out for your money. Because <laughs> I could just make a business out of this. And it's a lot easier to be a manager than a pastor. But I pray that, that this time we would find the courage to respond, to have a conversation with our God about what obedience looks like and that we would follow suit.